Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome back to For Real, your podcast about documentaries. I'm Special K. I'm Matt. And we are back for another one. Matt, how are you? Well, it's been an interesting week. Uh-huh. Uh, let's, tell the, let's tell listeners so, about it. So my wife, who is the most cautious person throughout this entire pandemic, always wearing a mask, keeping six feet from people, doing everything she's supposed to do. She comes out of the cold on Monday and she said, I'm going to get COVID tested. And I thought maybe she's overreacting. Uh, turns out she was not overreacting. She has, she has COVID. Mm. So I'm currently uh, speaking to you guys behind the uh, 20 foot fence. The neighbors installed around my house. <laughs> they said, I'll t- they'll take it down for 14 days, but I don't believe them. <laughs> well, and if, they, then, uh, if they pull up in the black panel vans, buddy, give me a call. Uh, I'll, t- yeah. I'll, I'll tell your story. Well, I appreciate that. Don't don't come over here and help me or anything. You're, no, you know, no, you're, no, no, no. You're a whole half mile from my house. <laughs> but uh, tell my story, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make me sound extra heroic at the end because I will. I mean, in reality, I'll just be laying on the floor crying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then today, I take my dog outside. First of all, my house outside is a snake haven. There's garter snakes everywhere and i don't know why but it's been like this for at least 20 years well my dog like he goes crazy when he hears them because they kind of they slither under like under the grass you don't really see them he just hears and smells them so today i take him outside and he starts like jumping around and acting all crazy which is what he does when he sees when he like smells a snake and he never catches one it's happened a million times Mm -hmm. he's never caught one so today i take a video where i'm mocking him he dips his head down, grabs a snake, and full-on Indiana Jones snaps it back and forth. Just sounded just like a whip. And I was like, oh, my God. And I, like, so I get the whole thing on video. I pull him back. And I'm like, Jack, no. And he, like, I was trying to pull him off my side. He pulls so he's right between me and the snake. And he just sits there and growls, which he never does about anything. And I was like, congratulations. The first time in your life. You show any kind of aggression towards something that cannot possibly hurt me. <laughs> well, at least he finally got one, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he'll help you with your snake problem now. Uh, listen, I, first thing I did, I came inside to my, my daughter. I said, listen, you're going to have to be a little bit more careful with your snake around Jack now because he's, he's already killed once. He's got the taste of blood in his mouth. You got to be a little more cautious around him. Yeah, I was going to say you could turn into a snake serial killer. He'd be snuffing snakes out left he- and right. You know, and he gets so crazy about the ones outside, but our snake, when we take it out, he'll come up and he'll lick it. Oh. Like, he just wants to keep licking it. And we're like, no, you can't can't do that. Snake hates it, obviously. And makes, I'm always like, one of you is going to bite the other one. I don't know if you're tenderizing it. I don't know what you're doing, but you're at least pissing it off. So if you could please stop that, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, sounds like you've had an exciting week over there. I uh, hope your wife is speedy recovery, obviously, and hopefully, hopefully you guys don't get it. Is it? Did, could they tell us? Yeah, the Delta, mean, is it the Delta variant? I mean, could they tell what variant it? Or they just assume. I I don't know. They just said COVID. They just got an email. It's like you're tested positive for COVID, and she's vaccinated. I'm vaccinated, mm-hmm. so it's crazy that she, I and she's so cautious and she's vaccinated. On top of that, I was like, like how did how did you catch it and I didn't catch it. I don't know. She's just more cautious than I am. I feel terrible for her. Yeah, it sucks, man. 
that sucks. But uh, yeah. to all our listeners out there, I mean, I know they're making a big push of it now. Just, you know, obviously if you get vaccinated, it's not going to stop you from getting it, but getting vaccinated is the right thing to do. So just fucking let's just get vaccinated people. Let's get past this. Yeah. Please. Listen, it, it boosts your antibodies towards the disease. So it's going to help you get over it quicker. It's going to help lighten the symptoms and you're going to be just fine. My wife, she's got flu-like symptoms right now. Nothing too serious. She's doing just fine. Okay, great, great, great. All right, well, moving on then. So for the correction section, you got anything oh, man. for us this week? We got an email from one of our fans. Mm-hmm. And this is about K- K's, or, uh, Special K's solo act without mm-hmm. me. We knew there was going to be mistakes, guys. I mean, we everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're just, people are just, they're starting to pick them out now. Just bam, bam, bam. Without me here to keep him in line, he just goes off the rails. Yeah. So during the, the podcast, Special K said, or they said in the, in the documentary that swastika is the most potent symbol in the world's history. Special K said, well, I would say like things like the cross or the American flag would be more potent. Mm-hmm. And he and our listener said to be potent is to have great power, influence, or effect. And what I believe the documentary was trying to say was if you show a swastika to anyone around the world, they will instantly elicit some kind of reaction because of the meaning and history associated with the symbol. The US flag, while being more recognizable, would likely not have an emotional effect on people as heavily as a swastika would or does. My thought on this is I'd have to argue with you. Uh, the U.S. has been fucking around pretty heavily in, in world affairs for quite a while. We have a pretty nasty history of sticking our nose where it doesn't belong. And uh, people all over the world will, you know, they either love us or they hate us. And as far as the Nazi symbol, I mean, yeah, people are going to see it as a negative light, but Right now, currently in our current world history, I would say that the American flag is going to elicit a response equal to, if not more, than the Nazi swastika. Well, okay, listen, here's my, here's my take on this. And I, I do appreciate the feedback. I do appreciate the, the feedback on this. However, I said that the cross is the most potent symbol in human history because that's what the document, documentary was I had argued that's what they said it was the swastika um, I did make a comment that the American flag might be more potent and I think it, I think it is more potent because like using the definition the general loose definition that uh, the listener provided here uh, which is to have great power influence or effect yeah I mean I'm not taking that away <laughs> I'm not taking that away from the swastika gotta give credit where credit's due but I think that the you can make the argument point yeah, I think you can make the argument, though, that the American flag has much greater power, influence, or effect, especially historically. I mean, listen, the, the swastika definitely has, a, has a, a generally a negative connotation, which I said previously. Um, the American flag, to some people, has a very negative connotation, a very powerful negative connotation. I mean, just it's ask, literally I don't know, countries. Yeah, I don't know. It, an Afghani or a Pakistani or a Yemeni or, you know, or somebody in any, any of the countries that we've just drone strike for the last 20 years, ask any of those children 
any of those wedding guests, any of those hospital workers, any of those school teachers, uh, what the American flag means to them. And I'm sure they're going to tell you it's a, not, not a nice thing. But on the, flip, so on the flip side of that, though, the American flag at least has some positive connotation, which it has positive power influence or effect around the world. Whereas the swastika, except to a few crazy people, it is generally just, just all negative. Uh, and so I, I, don't, I would argue, I stand by my comments. I, I appreciate the reach out. I, hear what he, I, I understand what he's trying to say here, but if we're talking about negative, negative only, yeah, maybe. Then maybe the swastika has a, has a greater negative potency than the American flag historically. But I think that, number one, that's downplaying the negative potency the American flag actually does have around the world, especially modern times. Then yeah. number two, I mean, listen, the swastika was certainly, is certainly powerful, but I, mean, I, don't, I just think people now recognize it as it's the symbol of the losing side of, the, of World War II. You know, so I think that it's, it's gonna, it's symbol is gonna get less and less potent as years go on. Whereas American flag is, it's here to stay, baby. These colors don't run. I feel like, I feel like the, uh, the Nazi symbol, like, especially in America, it's about as, it's kind of looked at the same way that people look at Confederate flags for the most part, Mm. where it's like, yeah, that was, you guys were on the wrong side on that one, but, uh, okay, whatever. You know, it's like, you're going to look at it. You're going to be like, yeah, those guys were kind of dicks and then move on. Sorry to our Southern listeners. We might want to just edit that out. I was going to say, man, Hey, Hey, that's, that's my heritage, man. That's yeah. just higher. That's not height. That's heritage. That's, that's tradition. Hate, that's heritage. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. You might want to just edit that whole section out because <laughs> on the off chance that we do have a Southern listener that hasn't stopped listening to us because we've, shit talked walmart republicans trump multiple times mm-hmm. and uh everything else on the off chance we still have a southern listener that might be what pushes them over the edge no nah, i think we'll be fine but yeah anyway like i said we appreciate the feedback keep 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 it coming we love we love engaging with the listeners so if you have anything else for us please let us know especially ones that i'm willing to defend I and mean, stuff that i'm yeah. dead wrong on i'm less likely to read those on the podcast but if yeah those are the ones you got to go for don't go by what what could be either way, what you really got to hammer him on is the ones he's unequivocally wrong about. Sure. You know, you just got to just drop on him like an anvil where he's got no chance to escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. when it's the most fun. <laughs> so, but hey, let's, let's get into this week's, this week's uh, episode here. Uh, this Dude. week. Yeah. This is, this is, we're going to continue on. This is uh number two, episode two of our heist series. So we're covering the docu-series Heist on Netflix. Uh, this to this week today, we are talking about episodes three and four, which tells the story of the money plane. This story is about a group of friends <laughs> that that uh, decide to steal, try to steal a hundred million dollars. Uh, the general synopsis. For just the start of this is uh, on IMDb is unable to cover the cost of adoption. Carl's uh, Monzan assembles a crew and plans a heist at the Miami International Airport by studying TV shows. Which is this a, one broke my heart. There's a very very boiled down synopsis of this this episode. Uh, yeah, so Carl's uh, is an immigrant from Cuba uh, who comes here seeking the american dream right this is what we hear that's what 
That's why people immigrate to this country, right? Because they want, I think he says um, in the USA, if you work hard, you can get anything you want. You think that's true? No, I think in, in the USA, uh, the harder you work, the more money the people at the top collect. Okay. I think uh, you might make yourself more comfortable in the meanwhile, but at the end of the day, you're just paying somebody else. Somebody else is, t- somebody else is skimming off the top. Yeah, you know, I think it's hard because, you know, as an American, we're very privileged. You know, we, we, we have a lot of freedom. Sure. Um, we have a lot of access to things that other countries don't. We do have better opportunities than other places. Not every place. I'm sure there are places that have equivalent freedoms and equivalent opportunity that we do. But maybe in the past, historically, we've we've had more than others at times. And especially from a guy coming from Cuba, uh, a communist, you know, run country with very little opportunity, if no opportunity whatsoever. So I understand somebody from coming from that kind of place would look at the USA as being like this beacon of hope and freedom and opportunity. But that that always kind of blows my mind in a way, just because to me, it's just, it's, it's, this is what I know. This is what I, I mean, America is America. And then you hear people complain and about how hard it is to get things here and how expensive everything is and how we have crazy poverty and healthcare sucks and people can't afford to go to school. And going back to the 13th, we, you know, jail, a shit ton more people than anybody else on the planet. Yeah. I think, honestly, uh, as far as it goes, I think what it comes down to is that the way the government and the system in place right now messes with people is just a lot more subtle than you'd get somewhere else. We don't have any kicking. We don't have police officers kicking in doors, dragging people out. Well, we fucking do have that. Uh, <laughs> Check. Uh, I was just going to say, I guess we don't, I mean, you're allowed to speak your mind here and you might not have your entire family executed on the, on the other hand, you don't pay taxes, the government, they throw you in jail, Mm -hmm. you, and all this, you know, you get arrested with a pound of weed, depending on what color you are, you're going to go to jail for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's not quite as free as we like to believe it to be but at the same time i understand and recognize it is a lot freer than a lot of places uh, for sure I, I think we're just i think we're just sneakier about it sure yeah yeah, yeah. you can't really say you can't i i don't i don't like okay i i just like to argue the land of the free is such horse shit because like i said we have 30 percent worldwide of people that are currently in prison in our country mm-hmm. all right that's more than any other country how the hell are we saying we're the land of the free when we jail more and keep people in jail more than anybody else? Doesn't make any sense. Well, maybe it's because we have so much freedom that we're more likely to break the laws. And so then we have to be punished more and more severely because we're just so we're just freedom loving rebels, man. That's what it's just in our blood. I, I know I recognize you're trying to agitate me and I will not bite. So <laughs> You can take that worm and shove it right up your ass. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So Carl's immigrates, uh, em- yeah, immigrates from Cuba uh, to South Florida to Miami, and begin this document. Beginning of this documentary, this docu series, they start introducing some of the players here. Uh, we'll get into these guys a little bit later, uh, but he does get involved in a relationship with this lady named Brandy. They seem in the documentary, they seem like a very nice couple. 
we're just trying to build a life together. Uh, they were going through some fertility issues, uh, which can be difficult. And so essentially because they can't have a baby of their own, they decide they want to adopt and they find an agency on online, I believe yep. from, from Russia and they want to adopt this baby, but it costs, I believe they said $30,000. Yeah. Which I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of money. It's a super it lot costs of money. a shitload of money to adopt people, which is adopt kids, which is crazy. Well, crazy. Well, especially with how like later on when they explain like kind of the process, like where they said they go into some kind of video chat room and they can watch the kids play and they get to like pick it's the like one they want. Dude, it's like, but it just seems so strange. It's like you're buying a human. Like, how is this not human yeah, trafficking? Essentially, what you're doing is you're buying a human being and you're housing it until it's 18, at which point you can either, or at which point you release it. That's, I mean, that's, it's more like you're renting a human being, I guess. I mean, I guess I, I understand there's expenses and like, you know, for, I guess this would be an orphanage or adoption agency that, houses children so i assume there's expenses i'm sure there's all kinds of like permits or like licenses i don't don't even know i mean i I, so i get why it's expensive and i'm glad that it's expensive in a way because it keeps you know people who shouldn't have kids from having kids you know i mean thirty thousand dollars is that's a high bar to climb i mean if you're some shithead come up with that kind of money i mean so they wanted so like i said they're trying to find a way to adopt and Carl says that he had his friend, I believe his name was Anilio. I might be pronouncing it incorrectly. I apologize if I am. But his friend, Anilio, who works at Brinks, kind of approaches him. He was like, hey, I got this. I know you're like hard up for money. I've got an opportunity. And he tells him about how, I think they said every Sunday or every other Sunday, a plane lands at Miami International Airport from Germany carrying between 80 and $100 million. And that basically this money is all, it's, it's, un, it's unprotected. They, they bring it in, they put it on a pallet in his warehouse. They leave the door open. There's nobody with guns. There's no cops around. It's just sitting there and they move it on the back of these trucks and it's just ripe for the taking. So Carl's decides, hey, I need this money. $100 million, a lot of money. So he hatches this plan to rob this warehouse. And to do, to work out this plan, he says he became a student of law enforcement in the criminal justice system by watching TV shows to learn how the FBI works because he knew this was going to be a federal jurisdictional thing. So he cites all kinds of shows you watch CSI, I think FBI file or something, the discovery channel. Do you, I mean, first of all, do you think that's a legitimate strategy? Do you think you would possibly learn enough from TV shows to learn how to do this correctly? Well, I mean, he learned more than he knew. So he learned about DNA testing. He learned about police response times. He learned about fingerprints. I mean, so like, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, he, he, he learned more than he initially knew, which helped him complete the robbery. And I would argue that if it wasn't for other parties involved, he would have done just fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a hundred percent, but if you don't, if you know nothing about the federal Bureau of investigations, and you've watched some television and learn how they arrest people and how they convict people. Yeah. It's going to help. Yeah. I just, I know, I know if you silly 
when you think about how ridiculous some of the shows are, yeah. but like I said, if, if you know nothing about them, if you know nothing about how police conduct investigations, how they do this, how they do that, you're going to pick up a little bit, which I guess helped him. Yeah. I mean, I think that certain shows, right? Like he, he said like CSI, I, I don't know what's going on off CSI. CSI is such an exaggerated version of what they're able to do. So much so that there's actually a phenomenon within the criminal justice system called the CSI effect, wherein juries expect you to have some kind of like CSI type evidence. And if you don't, they're more likely to acquit because they just expect that some kind of forensic evidence had to have been found in order for this person to be associated. So it's an actual like a observable phenomenon within our criminal justice system right now. Uh, because CSI so, is so I mean, popular. Then it, it's working for the criminals. Keep watching working. TV, guys. And it's working for the criminals. And then secondly, I mean, listen, we've done, this will be, I think, our 13th episode. Not all of them have been true crime. But by the end of this, I mean, hopefully we do this for a long time. And by the end of this, we are going to have a lot of hours of true crime documentaries under our belts. Do you think that eventually we'll become pro enough to be able to pull off a $100 million heist? I don't, I don't know about $100 million. We could definitely get away with robbing the 7-Eleven down the street, but okay. uh, $100 million, that might be outside our wheelhouse. Okay. Just to be clear, we're not plotting a robbery on this episode. We're just, it's hypothetical. It's all hypothetical. So if, if the 7-Eleven does get robbed, I want you guys to know I had nothing to do with it. All right. That would suck <laughs> if they got robbed later tonight. <laughs> um, so... And, and one thing he mentions in these shows is he, he noticed, or one thing that stood out to him is that one of the biggest ways of getting caught in these robberies is spending the money, mm-hmm. spending the money lavishly and frivolously gets you caught. So he makes, he makes note of that at this point in the documentary. Yeah. He goes on to, he's going to start recruiting people. He's got to, you know, you got to get your crew together because you, you know, you can't do it by yourself. So he reaches out to a friend and the friend declines, says it's too big of a job. He just doesn't want to do it. He then ends up recruiting. This is, I think, well, huge mistake here, but he ends up recruiting his girlfriend, Brandy, or I think it might have been his wife, Brandy, at this point. His wife at that point. His, his wife, Brandy's brother, Jeffrey. And the way they describe Jeffrey, he sounds like an absolute wild card, right? He, yeah, they, he's the, they talk, like, like oh, he loves. Yeah. Yeah, loves strip clubs, loves drugs. Guys, if you're going to plan a robbery or any kind of illegal activity, that's exactly the type of person that you don't want in the crew because they're the ones going to talk or spend too much money or do something stupid when they're high. And then, you know, the whole thing is fucked. I mean, listen, everybody loves those things. Okay. Everybody does. But it's sad when that becomes your personality. You know what I mean? Well, your personality is the strip club and drugs guy. Like, you don't want to be that guy. Have those hobbies, but don't be that guy. And this guy was totally that guy. Yeah, guys, that's that's like going, it's like a beach house, all right? You don't want to live there all year long. You want to go there. You want to visit for a little while, have a good time, have some good stories to tell. You want to go back to real life, mm-hmm. all right? If you live at the beach house, it really stops becoming cool and more annoying than anything. Yeah, you become one of these, like, beach hippie guys, you know what I mean? And then nobody wants to be around you because you're annoying all yeah. the time. You're that hairy white guy walking down the walking down the beach with a metal detector every day, trying to trying to find somebody's watch that they dropped in the sand. Don't don't be that guy. Come on, don't be that guy. Get your shit together, guys. Come on. So they also recruit this guy named Alex, who to me 
is the straightest shooter in all of this, uh, the story. He's the guy with the stolen. So they needed a car, they needed a getaway car, obviously. So he's the guy who just happened. He already had a stolen car. He had a car with all the VIN numbers and all this, everything all gone. So he had like this untraceable vehicle, just, I guess, sitting around, which I guess if you're in this lifestyle is not a bad thing to have, but Alex straight up says like for the, from the, from the jump, he thought this Carl's guy, the guy who planned this whole thing, was an idiot. Like, he didn't want to get involved because he thought Carl's was an idiot. It wasn't until he found out what kind of money was involved that he even considered it. And then he ended up agreeing to it. But um, I just thought that was hilarious. I was just like, dude, Carl's guy is a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny, too. Hey, man, he should have stuck with his gut. because. <laughs> well, well, listen, listen, Carl's had the whole thing planned out well. But they've said multiple times, Carl's is the only person in this group did not grow up in the streets. He has no street smarts. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. He loves his family, but he's he does no relation to any kind of criminal activity or criminal life. Yeah, yeah. He, he, they say he kind of like like to pretend, like, like he was kind of like around it peripherally, but he never was really in his in it. Like he never really got his hands dirty with anything. Yeah. Uh, then he also gets his his buddy, this guy Victor, uh, who agrees to be a lookout, and he agrees to do it for a million dollars. Uh, although he says that he would have done it for 10,000 if they would offered, but a million dollars sounds good to me. This is, this is the best deal out of them all. This guy had the least amount of involvement and yeah, I mean, a million dollars is that's good money for just being a lookout. How much, how much would you need? So he said he would have done it for 10,000, right? So how well, much, would, how much in this situation you, cause obviously you watched it, you know what the breakdown was, you know what the plan was, how much would you have needed to be paid just to be the lookout? Well, didn't they like offer a reward that was like one hundred fifty thousand? Yeah, on the back end. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd be fine. Listen, for for ten thousand, I'm gonna figure out a way to cash that that money in because as a lookout, you're not getting time, like enough time to really matter. We'll so, I'm I'm gonna figure out how to how to how to convert that ten thousand into one hundred fifty thousand. So, to me, the million dollars for the lookout was more like a Hey, this is gonna be a big deal. Keep your mouth shut. Uh, take your money and don't talk to anybody about it. Mm-hmm. So I think you know it made sense to pay him a little extra because he was kind of more of a peripheral player in the in the whole thing. Well, anyway, and then, so and then looking back, to be honest, I don't even know how necessary he actually was. And well, we'll t- that's not true. Well, we'll talk. We'll, yeah, we're gonna, we're getting to it here. Yeah. We get to that point. Then they also uh, get this guy. Uh, you know, Pinky and Pinky is Brandy's uh, uncle and Jeffrey is Pinky's nephew, right? Yeah. Jeffrey listen, is, Pinky yeah, is yeah. only hardcore criminal in that group. Yeah. Listen. All right. The rest, yeah. of, them, <laughs> Pinky the rest a- of them are kind of like minor players, like might steal a car, might rob a gas station. Pinky looks like he's done some fucking time yeah. and he does not, he does not care about hurting people. The rest yeah. of them are kind of like, your low, your low caliber criminals. Pinky looks like he'd he'd fuck somebody up for some money. Listen, Pinky is the kind of guy who he's the kind of guy that if he was sentenced to five years, he'd like shrug his shoulders, like whatever, man. It's just a nickel. Who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Anything less than ten years is a short time to him, and he, I mean, it's like nothing. That's like a walk in the park. You know, one of the one of those kind of guys who's not who's not afraid to go to prison. Doesn't want to go there, obviously, but not afraid to go. Has done multiple stints, probably. I mean, again, maybe I'm being too judgmental. Yeah. But he kind of just he, says it like he's just that guy. He you know, spent he's, some time. Yeah, and he even said, "I just pulled off a job, and I was pretty money. comfortable." <laughs> so I didn't need it. Yeah, 
so that was like like i said that at the whole time i was like yeah he's a he seems like a bad guy okay my Mm -hmm. question is they keep introducing this guy Mm -hmm. who's in a club and he's talking to everybody he wasn't part of the crew oh you're talking about um i got his name down here uh you're talking about uh matt his name is matt gamble which of, of course his last name is gamble of course it is yeah yeah, he's the one with the metal mouth, right? The the grill. Yeah, he's got, he's got the grill, and he said, and I quote, "Miami's a crazy place, palm trees and breeze and bitches with dirty knees, a peninsula that smuggles all them fucking keys." I mean, no greater poetry has ever been written. Yeah, they he. Should, I mean, they should put that on the freaking tourism banners. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a mess. Yeah, he. I think they had him in. Because I think he was friends with Jeffrey or he knew Jeffrey. So, because obviously, spoiler alert, Jeffrey's not around for this to tell the story of what happened. So, Jeffrey's not interviewed in this. But oh, that's, me, so I think oh, Matt Matt kind of spoke for Jeffrey in a way. Let, let me throw in another reason why Jeffrey would not have been part of my crew. Okay. Besides the fact that even with a little money, he acts like a fucking lunatic. Mm-hmm. All right. Another reason he's out of the crew is Jeffrey is morbidly obese. All right. Like, they said, we can't have Jeffrey do anything that involves running or moving the money because he's too fat. All he can yep. do is drive the truck. Which he didn't even do well. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, so Carl's, I mean, listen, he does have some planning. He does have some planning involved. They haven't figured out that they're going to be in and out in 45 seconds. They have 45 seconds to grab what they can. Uh, he, Carl's doesn't want to use guns because he doesn't want anybody to get hurt. He knows there's no guns inside because he's got the guy on the Sorry. inside. So he he doesn't want anybody to use guns, although Pinky insists because Pinky's like, we're right at the airport. It's customs around the cops around. I'm not going in without guns because Pinky looks the kind of guy who stays strapped. Yeah. Car- I, don't think, I don't think Pinky takes a piss without having, a, having at least a, a 40 caliber in his other hand. Yeah. Carl's... Uh, Wants them to shave their bodies. I believe, I don't know if they all did. I know he, he did. He wanted to shave his body. That way he couldn't leave any hair behind for any kind of DNA evidence. And that's a, the, the plot is, their plan is, they're going to pull up in a truck. Uh, they're going to junk out. They're going to jump out. Pinky and Carl's are going to jump out. They're going to run inside. They're going to snatch the money, the, these bags of money. And Jeffrey was supposed to pull up the truck right behind it. They throw the bags in the back of the truck. They all jump up and go. I mean, that's the plan. 45 seconds in and out. So they get there, they pull up and they have an issue where, a, a, I guess a van full of cops pulls up behind them to go inside the customs building or something. So that's stressful, whatever. And then freaking pinky just Leroy Jenkins is it and just runs out of the truck into this fucking place. Yeah. And so they, so then I was, uh, Carlos has to run in. So they run in, they put everybody on the ground. They start grabbing the money and Jeffrey doesn't fucking pull the truck up. He had one job that's to pull the truck up and he didn't do that. Right I, there. Listen, when I saw this, I, 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 I wrote my notes. I said, I would have beat his ass. <laughs> all right. Because these guys grab all the money and they're shocked because, you know, you don't think about the fact that you stack a lot of bills on top of each other. They're going to weigh a ton. So they drag this money out and they look over it and Jeffrey is still parked in the same spot he was at. I, I would have, I would have beaten him to death with one of those bags full of money. Yeah. I just, it's, uh, it's, un, it's unbelievable. I would have been so pissed. I would have been furious. 
Because like they what planned it, they show. staged it. They, I think they rehearsed it. Like they drove past it. Like you have one job: pull the back the yeah. fucking truck up to the dock, and you're gonna sit, stay parked where you were. This is insanity. Yeah, I would have. Oh man, I would have been furious. But anyways, they do. They don't get the whole hundred million. Okay, they because the bags I think they said are forty pounds each to grab what they could. Uh, during this, Carl's, who's being trying to be the most careful person of them all. He wears a bandana that falls off onto the ground and leaves it behind, which, well, how do you not go ski mask here? How do you not fucking go ski mask? I, don't, I thought the same thing. I was like, why would you even, why would you even risk that? Yeah. I, but uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a criminal, so I don't fucking know, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 don't, well, I don't know why you don't go ski mask. It doesn't make sense to me. But so they, they, they throw the money in the back of the truck to take off. And uh, they switch cars and all that stuff. And Alex, the guy with the stolen car, he ends up taking the truck and it quote unquote disappeared. I think the documentary, they allude to the fact that it was probably set on fire uh, or burned out or something like that. But truck disappears. And Carl's basically ends up saying like, I just wanted enough money so that I could adopt a kid. That's all I wanted. I just wanted enough money to adopt yeah. a kid. That's the whole reason why I did this whole thing which we're going to, we'll talk about, but so in the episode, uh, I guess episode four is part two of the story, but episode four, they go over kind of now the robbery has occurred. So now we're getting to the investigation. So in all, they stole $7.4 million. And there's different breakdowns. I'm not getting into all of it. Basically Jeff Pinky and Carl's got the most, uh, Onelio and Victor got, uh, I think a million dollars each. And then the, the car guy, Alex got like 500,000, which to me, if I'm Alex, like I'm not taking that. Cause it's my, I mean, it was my stolen car. You used my stolen car. I had to get rid of the car on, on the back end. I would argue for more, but you the lookout got a million. I want a million, right? Yeah. I mean, I listen, I, I would have thrown a fit about the lookout getting a million and me getting 500,000. But if you think about it, he really didn't have to do anything. He literally already had the stolen car. So it's not like he's, you know, it's not like he has to go out and find this thing. It's not like he's risking more jail time by having it. So it's not like, it's not, it's, it's nothing to him. He's getting rid of a stolen vehicle for $500,000 is the way I would look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's true. Uh, listen, I guess I would have argued at least that I want to be compensated for the value of the car plus 500,000. I guess that, that would have been my argument. I want, I want blue book on the car. I want blue book on the blue stolen car. You want the stolen vehicle with the VIN number scraped off. I want blue book on the car and I want $500,000. Uh, so that gets in the investigation. They introduce detective Gill, uh, who is, I believe Miami PD. He's like the guy who heads up at first and they, the FBI ends up getting involved. But Gill makes the point with, with this kind of money, they, first of all, they couldn't believe how like unguarded this was. Of course, the cameras weren't working. Um, and of course, the, the the cops they immediately suspect it's an inside job, right? This is too yeah for not to be. But before well, the, the door was open, nobody had any guns in there, like, mm-hmm. and they had it open because there's no AC, so they got the door open for a little, you know, a little a little cooling off because it's Miami, so it's probably eighty thousand degrees. You might as well be standing on the surface of the sun with humidity, mm-hmm. and nobody had any guns or anything. It was just you're literally in an open warehouse. With a hundred million dollars sitting there, I mean, I if I was one of the workers, I'd be, I probably would have been like, "Hey guys, do we really have to turn all this in, or if we just fucking go on home? Each of us takes a couple sacks, we're good to go." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I agree. I agree. It would have been just too 
simple for that amount of money. And like Gil says in the documentary, like for them, from the law enforcement standpoint on this, like because the amount of money we're talking about here and the amount of money that goes missing, I think he says like if if you mess this up, like this investigation up, someone will shit on you. <laughs> like somebody's gonna shit on you yeah. if you mess <laughs> if you mess this up because this is too much money involved. But they do also talk about how at some point Brandy, Carl's wife, uh, she discovers the money, right? Just something with some bags. She opens a bag up in the living room and there's a bunch of money. Like in immediately, because Zary left and there's money all over the place. Yeah. So, so she finds the money and she says in the documentary that she wanted to turn him in, but she didn't want him to get in trouble. But then she talks about how shortly thereafter, they immediately start the adoption process. So do you, do you think she's telling the truth? I think she's full of shit. No, yeah, I, I think she's telling the truth. You thought she thinks she's telling the truth? Yeah, man. I mean, like, I really don't think that, I don't think she, I think this was like a, a case of, I mean, you're a husband now. So I'm sure like you also understand like the societal pressures that come on husbands that we also enforce on ourselves where we feel like we have to take care of our spouses, we take care of our families. And that's a good thing in most cases, but it can also drive husbands to do stupid things for money to make their, make their family happy. I kind of, I have a really hard time believing that a, I, I have to believe that Brandy knew about this ahead of time. I really do. I know why they wouldn't say she did in the documentary because, because there's liability. But yeah, listen, you're telling me that her husband plans a robbery of a hundred million dollars so that he can adopt. Well, what's his, what's the game plan? He's going to steal this money so they can adopt a kid, right? That's his whole point of doing this. So how does, how does he think he's going to explain to her where this money came from? Like he had to have a story for that. If he wasn't going to tell her, if the, the, the point wasn't to tell her that he robbed something, how is he going to explain the money coming up all of a sudden? Like Just he had to explain that. Tell her, tell her he, I mean, tell her he got a raise and like that slowly start adding one of the accounts. No, dude. And then for him him to recruit, for him to recruit her uncle and her brother and bring them in on it too. I mean, come on. I don't believe it. I think she knew. I think she's full of shit. Maybe at the end of the day, he's just like, I'll tell her, you know, afterwards, this is what happened. Cause you, I mean, you know, as well as I do, if you're going to tell your wife, if you're, if you're planning a big heist and you're planning on going home to your wife afterwards, all right. Are you going to, are you going to tell her about it beforehand? Because you know she's not going to be in on it because it's a stupid thing to do long-term. It's not a smart thing to do. So are you just going to go take care of the problem and then deal with it then? Or are you going to try to talk to her beforehand and then have her say, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want you to take care of me, which for somebody that values family above all else, that's what it's going to sound like. Listen, I just, if she didn't know ahead of time, I don't, she might've been unhappy with the risk of involved in it and doing it on the back end. But I don't for a second believe she wanted to turn him in because they start this adoption process and she got no problem spending the money in the adoption process. All right. Like she has to know that that's going to cause red flags. You'd have to. So I don't know. I I, I feel like, I I don't think she was involved. I'm just saying, I think she knew. And if she didn't know, she was definitely okay with it. I mean, that's, that's what I think. So aside from them starting the adoption process, this is where it all starts falling apart. So immediately, old Jeffrey does the things that a Jeffrey-type person is going to do. And he starts spending money on drugs and girls. I think in the documentary, they mentioned that he purchased two $20,000 watches and he'd wear them at the same time what an idiot. at the strip club. So which was just 
I, you know, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to half blame Jeff. I'm going to half blame Carl's because this is the kind of shit Jeff did before. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't expect him to be different than what he has always been. So I, I, I put that on Carl's, but also I put it on Jeff because don't be a fucking moron. I, you know, I, I kind of put it on Carl's quite a bit too, because if you promote somebody who uh, acts like a jackass in their current position, i.e. showing up late, arguing with people, generally being a pain in the ass, and you promote that person, they're going to keep doing the same fucking things they've been doing. Mm-hmm. All right? You, putting somebody, putting an, an irresponsible person into a responsible position does not change the nature of the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the saying goes, hire a clown, expect a circus. I mean, that's, that's just what it's going to be. I've never heard that saying before, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also heard it, again, I, fuck it, I don't care. I also heard it in regards to the Trump administration, where it was, uh, elect a clown, expect a circus. It was actually a t-shirt, and the White House was turned into <laughs> a circus tent. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is it, which... I'm which sure was, he got fucking riled up when he saw that. Which was excellent. Um, so that's awesome. Carl's Carl's decides we got to tell him about this because this guy's gonna get us all caught. And because at first, like, there's nothing on the news about this. They're very quiet in the media about what's going on. So they're really trying to lay low. And so Carl's decides I got something about this. So he says he essentially hires who he calls friends, which are goons, and he wants them to go take all of Jeff's money. That way Jeff can't spend it. Like if they take all his money from him, he can't spend it. So he can't get in trouble. So they do this. They take all of what they think he has the hopes and hopes that they'll stop Jeff's reckless behavior. And of course, Jeff had stashed some. So he goes back to his reckless spending ways. Like less than it was like two weeks later, he's yeah. immediately back after these guys beat the shit out of him and took his money. Yep. And so Carl's then goes back to these quote unquote friends and says, Hey, this time we have to make sure you have to make sure you get all of his money. Like he can't have any money left. So he gets them to torture Jeff, which like they pulled his freaking fingernails off of pliers. And what did they, I think the documentary they showed, they stuck a screwdriver in his ear. Yeah. I mean, they fucked him up. Yeah. Your eardrum, if you pierce it, is excruciating. Oh, it's a torture. Yeah. That, they did not go easy on old Jeff, yeah, which so... I have to say that uh, despite these horrible things that happened to him, I like to think that he enjoyed the hell out of the money when he had it. I mean, listen, you'd have to for what he's going through in this one, in this part of it. Yeah. So Carl's, then this is, this is another thing where I kind of, I question Carl's uh, truth telling abilities here. So Carl's agrees that whatever money they get from Jeff, and I believe they got $475,000. Which, listen, it hasn't even been, I don't think it's been two months since the robbery. And dude spent, I think he- Half a million dollars? Yeah, he, had, he, he got 1.6 million is what his penalty oh. was. And he only had 475,000 left. So you're saying that's, he spent 1.2 million dollars? That's what they're claiming shit. because that's all he said he had. And so then Carlos goes and gets it and he splits. He splits. He, I, think he, he, I think he gives 200,000 or something like that to the goons. And then he says he hangs on to the $275,000 because he said he says he was going to hang on to it for Jeff. So when Jeff asked him for money, he would just lend him money from his own money. Do you believe that? I mean, no. No, fuck no. He's going to take his money but back. It, 
but at this point, at this point, like, like I said, this whole thing is, is a, a family getting together to steal shit. Like, I think at that point it's, it's plausible on the same note. Like, I think he just really, cause he's freaking out cause he's never been in jail or had issues with the police. I'm sure that he was in full on panic mode because Jeff might as well be pointing a fucking bullseye on his shirt that says FBI come find me. Yeah. I stole a lot of money recently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so then they kind of update you on the investigation and lucky for Carl's, which is shocking, but that bandana with a drop behind, there was no DNA left behind on that thing. So, I mean, dodged a huge bullet with that one. I mean, that's yeah. a gigantic bullet to have dodged. So at this point, then they decide, because they got to do something, they got to shake something loose with this investigation. So the FBI issues a $150,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of the people responsible. And I think, like I said, the first night, night one, we got some leads coming in, and sure shit, Ricky. That guy that he offered a place to that said no. The first fucking guy. The first guy he went to and offered the position, offered the job to, and said he didn't want to do it. This motherfucker rats on his on his buddy for $150,000. I think he does like a wiretap. He even agrees to do like a wire, like a, 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 a what, what do they call that? With a, a wire? It's, it's, it's where a wire. They wired him up. Yeah, they wired him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but that kind of, they get enough out of that conversation to arrest Carl's, but not enough for everybody else. They, they end up doing this thing that the FBI agent refers to, which I think is just a great little saying here refers to as tickling the wire or tickle the wire. I thought that's such a cute way of saying we're trying to break a criminal enterprise, um, which if you don't know what tickling the wire means, basically they had a bunch of stuff wiretapped, a bunch of phones wiretapped. And what they yeah. do is they put out information to get people to use those wiretapped lines. And sure enough, it works. I think they went to the warehouse where O'Neillio works for Brinks and they tell him like, we have nothing, like the case is going cold, we have no clues. And then O'Neillio immediately calls Carl's and says like basically hey man we're free and clear they got nothing on us we're, we're good to go and all this is recorded on a wiretap so they're all fucked. which which I have to say that I mean as far as the the process went I have to say like to me that seems like the only part he really fucked up on was saying like hey don't like call me like you can call me once on the day of the robbery just to tell me that they're there but they said he called him like 10, they took, spoke on the, the phone 10 times the day of the robbery. Mm -hmm. Holy shit, dude. Mm -hmm. um, so I would have said, you can call me once then, or even if you just call me like, I don't know, every couple of days to talk to me, that's fine. But don't say anything about the robbery over the phones. Carl's made two, no, he made three fatal errors with right, his plan. Three errors. Number one, from jump. Trying to recruit somebody who's not in on it, first mistake. First mistake. He says, yeah. you go to go to help with this plan. He says, no, the plan's done. It has to be because you know, yeah. it's a, that's a major loose end, number one. Number two, you recruit Jeffrey, who's a wild card. You know he's a wild card, but you bring him anyway because he's a street guy and he's willing yeah. to do anything. That's a problem. That's your second flaw. Number three is like you said, the phone calls with O'Neillio. I don't know why you would agree to do anything over the phone. And this wasn't like, this is in, what year was this? 2000. 11 or something this happened i mean it was it was like did two, it was like 2010 2011 yeah. something like that so this wasn't even that long ago so I mean, why you would use the phones for anything especially like your actual number like you're not gonna get a burner but it was a burner is i can get a burner phone that's crazy 
so it's all started shaking loose. They, the FBI, they, they, they got this, and they're figuring this out rapidly. And our buddy Jeffrey here, because he just will not fail to disappoint. Jeffrey does what Jeffrey's going to do. He suddenly yeah, starts he- spending money at strip clubs again. Again. I don't know how he had this money. I don't know where he was hiding it. For the second time, when he was being tortured, this is this was crazy to me. The second time he, he was being tortured, they ripped his fingernails out and stabbed him. He was hospitalized. Yeah, they, they said they kicked him so hard in the head, his brain shifted. Exactly. And even still with all that going on, he convinced them that he only had $475,000 left of $1.6 million. And clearly he still had some stashed away. Yeah. You know what? I have to admire his ability in at least one aspect of his life as far as keeping his mouth shut. Yeah. He, I mean, listen, Jeffrey, the dude liked to party. He loved him some strippers. He loved him some drugs. And uh, uh, it was a love of those two things. They just got him through so much in his life. Yeah. Uh, I, well, they actually weren't just strippers. He had sex workers too, that he was hiring yeah. overnight. Cause one of the times Carl's went over to try to talk to him. He's like, yeah, he's laying in bed. There's two, there's a hooker on either side of him. There's money all over the floor. Like you're like, Jeffrey, come on, bud. Can you get your shit together for Carl's sakes? Living like Caligula. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> It's like Sodom and Gomorrah in that tiny hotel room. <laughs> so, but then this time, so, and you knew this was going to happen. Uh, Carl's is quote unquote friends decides we're just going to cut Carl's out. We're just going to kidnap this fucking guy ourselves. So they go and kidnap Jeffrey. And now you have a kidnapping in the middle of this entire robbery thing. So yeah. the F- FBI hears about the kidnapping on the wiretaps and so now they have like an obligation to get involved in this somehow because they can't just sit back and let somebody get murdered, obviously. I, mean, I guess they can. I guess they do it all the time. I mean, you hear I mean, about like, you know, all these active shooters and crazy people who go through FBI checks and just get passed along. So I guess it happens yeah. all the time. But uh, so Carl's essentially tells these guys like, fuck you, I'm not paying you anything. I mean, and he tells them like, you'd be doing me a favor by killing this guy. And I really, that's a very honest thing I think he, I think he thought. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's an honest thing he thought. And, you know, you might think, wow, I can't believe you said that in the documentary, but the FBI had it all recorded. So let's let's give credit where credit's due. I mean, Carl's wasn't just being like upfront and honest for the first time in his life. He, or I guess not the first time in his life. He's not a career criminal. He's on it. You know, he just made the, obviously a, you know, $7 million mistake. But I mean, come on, guys, let's. I, I don't blame Carl's at all. At that point, I would have been re- willing to slit Jeffrey's throat myself just to like alleviate the chance that he draws the police back to me. Yeah, I would have. I would have disappeared him so quickly. <laughs> like you'd actually be doing me a favor if you got rid of this guy. Yeah, yeah, you'd be doing me a favor by killing this guy. <laughs> so he ends up agreeing to meet with these kidnappers, and on the way, I guess he's just so upset and pissed off. He just decides, "I'm going to go buy a fucking gun." And, uh, you know, Florida is Florida. So I guess you can just go into a gun store in Florida and just buy an assault rifle same day, which. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Second Amendment. So he just stops in and buys the assault rifle. And he's like, I'm going to load it up in the parking lot. I'm going to go over to these with kidnappers. Are. I'm just going to kill everybody. I'm just going to shoot everybody. <laughs> and so luckily, luckily, the FBI steps in. They bust him in the parking lot of the gun store. So he's uh, he's, uh, you know out of out of play 
And they end up, the FBI, and this is like early 2000s, they end up using this early form of this technology, which is super more advanced today. But they end up yeah. tri- triangulating the cell phone of the kidnappers, um, which today, I mean, they use these thing called stingers, which are like fake cell phone towers and all kinds of shit. So they're much better at this than today than they were back then. But so they end up going to a, uh, a garage, a garage hotel, uh, which I'm surprised these aren't more popular because yeah. essentially it's a hotel room that has a, like a one car garage attached. So you can pull your car into the garage. So nobody knows you're there. Why is that? Why do you think that's not a bigger thing everywhere? Well, and to me, it's, it's not just a, like a, a hiding yourself thing. It's like, you know, say you're traveling with the family. Would you rather unload everything from the car and bring it in the hotel room with you? So you got 18 people stacked on top of each other trying to sleep and whatever shit you dragged across country with you, or would you rather just bring it into a, a garage, a single car garage, lock the door and then go to sleep? I mean, for me, I was like, that's a great business model. I don't know why they don't do that more often. Yeah. That sounds, that's like a genius idea to me. And I mean, you put it in a senior part of town and they're going to use it for the things they want to use it for, you know, which is sex work. Yeah. Uh, which Again, it, it's well, it's, not it's, just sex work, but they also set affairs and like, you know, secret meetings and shit because yeah. nobody, nobody knows you're there. You just pull your car and it's like you never existed. They end up, so the, the FBI, you know, does their thing. They bust in and they, uh, they save Jeff. They rescue him and then Which, arrest him immediately. <laughs> yeah. They come in there and they show Jeff and he's just beaten to shit and like tied up cops cut the tape off his hands and then replace it with handcuffs immediately. <laughs> Dude, Jeff and Jeffrey was excited to see them, which I'm, I'm sure he was. Mm-hmm. They said they're like, he was so the FBI just, Oh, he was so happy to see us, you know, blah, blah, blah. The, the good guys came over to save him. And then we immediately handcuffed him. And I was like, I'm sure they didn't give a shit because he was like, these guys are about to fucking murder me. You know, <laughs> like, at well, that point, and, he's like jail time or death. Well, and and plus, I mean, listen, Jeffrey, he wouldn't have even known the FBI was on him. I mean, he had to assume the cops were looking for whoever committed the robbery. But yeah. up until they put the cuffs on him, he doesn't have any reason to believe he's going to be arrested for the robbery. He probably just thinks like they're only involved for the kidnapping. Uh, so that must have been, yeah, quite the wake up call. But again, I mean, I guess it's better than being tortured or murdered. So that kind of, then obviously the gig's up. They know who all's involved. And then you have like, everybody gets arrested at different times. Pinky, our boy Pinky here, he goes on the run for four years. Four years. Criminal, man. The worst part was to me was Pinky's like, yeah, I think the hardest part was, you know, tell my kids, maybe I'll see you next week. Maybe I won't. (laughs) You know, it's just one of those things you got to do. And I'm like, damn, Pinky. Like, we get it. You're the only hardcore guy in the group. You don't have to throw it in everybody's faces. I'm sure your kids are watching right now. The ones that aren't in jail because their father was a shithead and are like, damn, dad really didn't love us. You know? Yeah. I mean, so, come on, Pinky. So, you know, so he ends up getting caught and, uh, he, you know, I think he says like when you, when you slow down, they speed up or something like that. And they, they caught him. Yeah. And Everybody involved, all of them, the lookout, Onilio, everybody did time. I think Onilio did like the second most amount of time. We got the second highest sentence. Carl's also yeah. the highest sentence for being the mastermind, but 
Um, I think he also, but he did not serve the longest amount of time though of everybody. I think he only no. served seven years. I mean, Pinky had a gun. I was, I'm surprised he didn't serve longer because he did like well, people. And I'm, I'm sure when they looked at the criminal records, they're like, yeah, we should maybe keep Pinky a little longer. He's uh, maybe, you know, maybe let the steak marinate a little bit because every time we let him out, people get robbed. So, <laughs> yeah. So they I don't all think Pinky's gonna get a nine to five job anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, they all serve time and uh poor Jeffrey. He uh he does time and he dies shortly after his release. Uh so he did No, no, he died in prison. No, and I say he died after his release. Nah, bro. They said they said he died. We're gonna check this. I know you have a better memory than me, so it's gonna piss me off when I check. Mm-hmm. But I thought they said Jeffrey died shortly after being arrested. No, I think he said shortly after release. All right, I'm going to check this as soon as we're off this call. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw it right in your fucking face okay. next time. Hey, that'll be a great correction section. Uh, so in all, I mean, obviously, you know, with Carl's locked up, he's got to figure out what him and Brandy are going to do. Brandy ends up moving on, and she gets with some other guy, and she has children, which good for her. Because that, is, that is the good like the good news in the whole story here is that Brandy ends up being the family she wanted. So in, in the end though, of the $7.4 million that was stolen, they could only account for approximately $1.4 million, which means that of the 7.4 million, only six or still 6 million still accounted for. And obviously they spent some of it, right? Jeffrey spent who knows how much of his, yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta assume Jeffrey's share went pretty quick. What was left of it, and then uh-huh. you know, two hundred thousand of it went to those two nutsacks that Carl's kept hiring to fuck with him. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, and then Pinky says, "Well, you know, it's expensive to be on the run." Mm-hmm. Like Pinky, come on, Pinky! It didn't co- it didn't cost you a million dollars over four years to stay in the run, unless you're staying at the fucking Ritz every time you pulled into town. Like, come yeah. on, man. Unless you're passing out hundreds to everybody who looks at you to pay them off to not say anything. I mean, that could get expensive, yeah. I guess. So in a way, I could see how it could come I in. Mean, listen, you can't work. So every dollar you spend is a dollar you have. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, and Carl's definitely still has the money. Like, they definitely, listen, these guys definitely still have fucking money. They, even the Alex, the guy, oh, yeah. the, car, the car thief guy, he's like, yeah, I had, a, I think earlier he says he bought a safe to put his money in. But then he claims like it was stolen. He lost it. Uh, somebody's broken and stole it. And I mean, again, $500,000, that's more, I can see how you could spend that maybe, but I mean, come Listen, on. Listen, I think they out of the, the group, Carl's, Carl's impressed the hell out of me. He said, well, I learned from TV, you can't store money underground for too long because the moisture destroys it. So he puts it in PVC t- sealed tubes with mixed with baby powder because the baby powder is going to draw out the moisture. Mm-hmm. I was like, God damn, Carl's. Yeah, man. Listen, he did things in Miami. Yeah, dude. He did. He did things that were really slick, and he did things that were really sloppy. You know, and that's. I think that's that's that that might be the theme on all these stories, and we'll see with the third one. But like the first one too, they did things that were really slick and then really sloppy. This is like there's a lot of things they did that were really smart. It was really a high intelligence, high IQ move. But then like getting that Ricky guy involved, that's a dumb move. Getting Jeffrey involved at all, that's a dumb move. Yeah. Having, I, I, having those goons. Now you're bringing other people into it. 
They're well, gonna... they didn't know why he was fucking with them. He just said, "I have a problem." Yeah, I just but... to take care of it. I mean, but this, like this fucking loser all of a sudden figured out what was yeah. going on. Yeah, twice they went there and they fucking wrestled hundreds of thousands of dollars away from the guy. You're telling me they don't realize like this guy had to be connected somehow. If he's not connected today, he's connected to something. Yeah. So again, kind of reckless, but what do you do, man? What do you do when your wife's brother is going to get your ass sent to prison? I don't know. Fucking cut him. That's what I do. <laughs> T, if you're listening to this podcast, I mean D, not you. Okay. <laughs> T, you're perfectly safe. I wouldn't cut you. <laughs> So all, all in all, all in all, what did you think of it? Listen, man, I'm going to be honest with you. This was, you know how the first one, when uh, Heather was saying, well, let me start off by telling you this is a love story. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought about this one. Like when Carl and his wife were talking about how she got pregnant twice and miscarried twice. Mm-hmm. And like all they wanted to do was have a family together and all this other stuff. And Carl's like, yeah, I was working like 70 hours a week with overtime. And everybody was like, Carl's was such a great worker. Like he'd show up early. He'd leave late. He's always working, you know, blah, 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 doing this, doing that. All I could think was, was like, man, this is one of those, this is one of those cases where the American dream is just shitting all over you because like, no matter how hard you work, you can't get the one thing you want, which is just to have a family with your wife. And you can't, because we don't have free Medicare. In the United States, unlike our brothers up in Canada, I know socialism, you know, they, they had this guy was pushed to the limit and did what he had to do to try to make sure that he could have a fa- the family that he wanted. It was so sad, man. I was fuck. It was sad. Uh, the whole time I was like this poor guy, dude, like by all accounts, he was a decent guy. Like maybe obviously not like maybe like not the best guy, but like he, he was he was taking the money. So that he could have a family. That's fucking sad, bro. Listen, That's man. Sad. Listen. Okay. Here's my here's my thought on that. Here's my thought on it. First of all, I, I did like it, but um, I, I don't I, I don't doubt. I did like this documentary. But I, I yeah. these episodes. I don't doubt that maybe the the beginning of the plan was because he wanted enough money to adopt a child. I don't doubt that. So maybe that might have been his original motivation. But listen, the plan was to steal a hundred million dollars or as much of a hundred million dollars as they could. He only needed 30,000. So if he wanted, if he wanted to, he could have just got a gun by himself. He could have ran in there by himself, grabbed one bag of money by himself and ran out. And that would have been enough to adopt. And he too, had too to, many variables. It's too he many variables. Have to, he, he went in there with a gun, get everybody on the ground, grab one bag of money and run out. And that's it. And that's it. All by it's, yourself. It's too many variables, man. I'm just saying, I don't, I believe that was his intention. That might've been why he started to do it. But uh-uh. you don't recruit all these players and try to steal that much money. I understand you got to steal enough to get everybody fed. Otherwise, people aren't going to get in on it. So you got to steal more than what you need because you got to pay people. I get that. But come on. If they could have stole all, all $100 million, they would have. But they couldn't because it was too heavy. They didn't account for how heavy it was going to be. Dude, this, this was like Ocean's Eleven with day laborers. All right? I felt bad for everybody. Whoa, 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 whoa. Day laborers? Because of yeah, they, talking about they, Miami? We're talking about Hispanics? I'm not talking about Hispanics. Talking about day laborers, I'm a fucking day laborer. You're a day laborer. We're grunts. We're the we're, we're the lowest common denominator of our companies. No, a day laborer is like somebody who works just for the day, like outside, just for the day, like by the day. That's a day laborer. Oh well, I misunderstood what that term meant, and now that I hear it, it does sound a little racist. So let me backpedal and start my five point apology 
by saying, I'm ignorant. All right. <laughs> I'm not racist. I'm just ignorant. I'm not racist. I'm just ignorant. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> but you, what I meant was like, okay, this is like Ocean's Eleven, but it was it's planned like, by, well, how would you describe it? Blue collar workers. Not, not professionals. Non-professionals? Yeah, that's yeah. a funny way to describe it, Kay. I said blue-collar workers first. These aren't professionals. Oh, that's, that's good. Blue-collar blue yeah, workers. These aren't career criminals. These aren't like professional thieves. You know, these yeah. are just like people who... Except for Pinky. Well, who people who dabble in crime, but some, Pinky, of, them, some Pinky of them don't. doesn't look like he stuck his toe in the water on this one. All right? It looks like Pinky had just come up for air out of that, out of that pool, and they're like, Hey, uh, look, there's a dollar at the bottom of it. He went right back down, dude. <laughs> yeah. The rest of them, yeah, they might have they might have occasionally, you know, went in, put their feet in the water, you know, sat at the edge, did that weird thing where your your legs in the water, you're just looking at the girls in the pool, you're not actually there to swim. Mm -hmm. But like Pink Pinky, that that motherfucker like lived in the pool, all right. <laughs> <laughs> he he knew what he was doing. Carl's was the lifeguard. He's like, I don't want to get wet during my shifts. All right. I, just want to sure. I will if I have to. Yeah, I will if I have to, but I'd prefer that nobody drowns or anything like that. Okay. I just, I'm just here to collect a paycheck. And they, they just pull them down. So, so generally speaking, I mean, what, what did you think? Like, did you like the documentary or this, these two episodes? I guess I should say. I really did like the documentary. I have to say, uh, the last one I felt, thought kind of dragged on. This one was more to the point. I felt like it deserved the two 40-minute slots that it took up. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I felt I just felt so bad for Carl's and his wife. And I felt, I mean, I know that motherfucker has money hidden away somewhere that eventually he's going to pull out. So, you know, good on him, I guess. But, you know, he lost his wife. He, lo he spent 10 years in prison or nine years in prison, whatever works out, to, or 11. I don't fucking remember. Um, but, like, I mean, at the end of the day, he didn't win. Even if he got the money, he didn't win. Yeah, yeah, and I guess kind of the point he makes is at the at the end of this, it's, it was a, all for a loss. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I did. I did like this one better than the first story. Uh, I I thought it just went by. Pulls in it. Yeah, it but went, well, okay. Yeah, I mean, there were some strip club scenes, but you know, um, they had the pasties the on. They so I mean it 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 went by a lot faster. I felt like the story, like you said, the story didn't drag as much. I think the story itself is less exciting because it's kind of like the robbery itself is pretty basic um yeah the story isn't super compelling again they did the dramatic reenactments all in all i liked it i thought it was good i do think if i had to rank them so far this would be number one the first one would be number two that's how i'd rank them so using our rating system which we might have to rethink this rating system but we'll talk about that later on a scale from one to six beers how many beers would you need to drink to watch it again two two and that's okay. just because i like to taste a beer there you go yeah. i I you know, agree. one beer episode, you, know, you just you just crack open a cold one, you just see what's happening. I agree. I would I would like to have you? I, I I agree. I would like to have a beer with Pinky while watching this because I want to hear like Pinky's lifetime. Like I think he'd be funny as hell to like watch this with. I was I, just gonna I, say I'd have a beer I, with Pinky. Listen, I, I know I've been busting Pinky's balls this whole podcast. I think Pinky would probably be laughing about it for the most part. I think he'd oh, yeah. be like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm career criminal. <laughs> you know, like, I think, I think he'd think it's funny. Pinky seemed like, listen, I think Pinky, besides Carl's, probably the most likable person on this episode. <laughs> I agree. I agree. He was a career criminal 
but he was like cracking jokes and like he's just a goofball but like like it's like he's funny but he's also kind of a scumbag you know <laughs> somebody you want to watch your want to want to ask to watch your wallet at the beach but yeah i'd have a beer with him yeah 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 uh yeah so that's that's it for episodes three and four of heist check it out on netflix as always make sure you guys subscribe rate and review please 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 share this with your friends uh we got some big plans coming up here we got some some guests we're lining up we got some cool documentaries we got lined up here got some cool ideas so we're getting bigger getting stronger getting better at this hopefully and And i'm getting fatter just like the podcast and so we need you guys to share this with as many people as you can uh even if you don't like it even if you think this sucks like just share it just click the button yeah, and just, share it. Just, share just it. love on us a little bit, guys. Yeah, I mean, give us a, we need this win. Don't we need be selfish. Listen, Matt's going through hell right now, okay? The least you could do is help him out with this podcast. I, I, I'm going to be trapped in my house until we do at least the next podcast, guys. Help me <laughs> out. Get those numbers up. Let's let's the rookie numbers, guys. We need big numbers to make me feel better about myself, all right? Listen, all I'm saying is if we don't get the, the, the kind of contract that like Joe Rogan got or the – the call her daddy lady God or Dak Shepard God with Spotify. You talk about the, the 60 million deals, the $200 million deal, whatever it is. Like I'm not saying we're going to have to resort to committing a robbery, but we got bills to pay. We got bills 7-Eleven looks pretty, pretty empty right now. I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> for the Joke. last time guys, jokes, joke. jokes. This is not evidence. This is an admissible. And so anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm special. Okay. I'm Matt. We'll see you guys next time.